and this morning I have got physiotherapist for the Springboks. We see her everywhere. Renee Naylor joining me in studio. Renee, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much, Tracy, and good morning to all the listeners. It's so exciting for me to be here. It's a real privilege and honor, and I'm and I'm excited about our chat. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I think I want to take it back right to your childhood. Young girl here from Cape Town who didn't necessarily think she would ever end up where she is today. What were your initial dreams? So I thought I was going to do something in the medical field, and medicine was my first choice. And then in Senate 8, I thought, uh, well, I'm still in standards, you know, not grades. (laughs) Don't worry, me too. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) And I thought, gosh, there's so much blood, you know. And then my dad played a soccer match for the church one Saturday and he broke his leg and he had to go for physio. And I didn't know much about physio as a, I was think I was about 15 or 16 and went with him. And then I was hooked. First, second and third choice for university was physio. Little did I know there's a lot of blood in rugby, but I didn't know it was going to be rugby. I thought sport physiotherapy would be awesome. And when I qualified, it was at the same time as the Rugby World Cup, you know, just 95. Yeah. And that was so special, going to a game at Newlands, sitting there and just that experience. And you think, gosh, it must be amazing to be in the change room or on the side of the pitch and actually witness the injury on the pitch and then get that guy back and that's where that dream started but i started at a you know a little club well come on you you make it seem very very little you need to give the information because you're making it seem little but that's not little getting in there in the first place is a really big thing especially for a woman at the time when you did Yes, I think that I I started at a rugby club in Mitchell's Plain yeah. and that was just every, my practice was in Mitchell's Plain, my private practice and every, you know, treatment with a rugby player, I'd be discussing rugby, the weekend's games, you know, what's happened and they said, you know, you must come to our club, you know, come and, come and visit us and when I went to the, to the field, it was where Silver Tree and Collegians had their mm. games, I was so excited when they said to me, do you want to come and help us out? 200 rand a game. Very excited. I'm actually going to get paid for this and it's so much fun. <laughs> and yes, that's where it started. At the time, I was then, you know, doing postgraduate studies. I was doing my research in rugby, my master's degree with sports science and with UCT. So it was very exciting to do it practically. And obviously, Silver Tree, we didn't have the facilities. We didn't have all the, you know, professional staff. So I started off doing a lot of roles. Yeah. Doing conditioning, diet, you know, no chip roles before the game and all all different things. But that's where it started for me and I learned so much. But I think people disregard often, and I think I speak to many young people nowadays, and there is a bit of a disregard for understanding that you need to start right at the bottom and start small and be willing to do just about anything and everything. Because if you do like something, things will start working out. But it's so much better when you actually understand so much more than just this one field that you seem to think is your area of expertise when you've just graduated. Exactly. It takes a long time even to find your niche. You know, and I say to young physios, try and get experience at club level because there you'll be doing a lot of different things. Because I get lots of physios that are studying, that have just qualified, that want to 
be with me? Can I can I come with you? And I almost think you're not going to learn the real deal with me because as you go up, your area becomes more and more specialized what you do. And you're not going to be involved in everything. Absolutely. And it, but it can only happen once you've seen everything else. Yes. And you go, this is actually what I can focus on. I want to now move to the fact that, yes, we know that you, through your journey, you eventually got to the Springboks, and that was in 2008 when you started for the Springboks. Again, that's not just something that happens, but I know often when they look at women, there's that first thought. Many people still do it. Let's not be confused. I mean, as much as we don't see it that way, there are situations where people still go, really? It's because they needed a woman, um, you know, person of color, the quotas. But to get to a level of the Springboks, our national team, with a country, all the eyes on them. You need to be incredibly good at your job. This is not just I'm taking a chance. This is a I know I can do this and I can do it really, really well. Do you feel that kind of pressure at times, knowing that there's so many eyes on the work that you do, even when they don't necessarily see you? Yes and and no, because you become, when I started in 2008, firstly, didn't expect it, didn't expect they'd ever take a woman. So I was very happy in my job at Western Province Rugby. Yeah. And I'd worked from the under 19 level right up now to the senior team. I was working with the Stormers and the Curry Cup team. And I was, you know, looking at the whole department and how we were going to improve things and looking at strategies there. So when I got that phone call, it was a shock. You know, and Peter de Villiers phoned me if I'm interested and I had to stop my car on the, on the road to just listen. You know, and, and it was very special. You know, it was, it was really the pinnacle for me. And I took the position very seriously because I felt that I did have that responsibility to show and prove that we can do it and that we will be good at it. And I didn't expect special privileges as a woman. I almost wanted, I was so proud to be part of a brand that means so much more than just a sport and mm. a game to South Africans that I was so excited and I just wanted to stay there and I wanted to do my best and, you know, wanted to be respected as a professional, that the player would look at me and say, you know what, if I go to her, she will fix me. Mm. She'll get me back on the pitch because that is my primary role to manage an injury and to prevent an injury. And so, yes, you know, and... You make mistakes along the way. You learn. I think I was very hot-headed, you know, being the, the the small female and wanting to prove myself. I, you know, if you look back, but that's all all learning curves. Yes, I do you agree know, with you. You know, because you 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 do feel the obligation as a person of color and as a woman to prove that you know this is merit. It is indeed. That is exactly what you want. And I'm glad you're touching on, on the hot-headed because I, I remember coming across an article where you were described by someone as the yapper. You were always the one on the side, always just screaming and telling the people what to do and the players. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Yes, no, I'm, I'm used to that. I think you must take the good and the bad with it. Yes. And I think that, yes, I am very passionate about my job. And I, you know, like to get involved. I do believe that if you're part of a, a medical team with a sport, you, you know, you have to consider, is this really, you know, is winning important to you? So for me, winning is important. Of course. It's not just, 
I can never walk off the pitch at the end of a game and turn to my medical colleague and say, gosh, we don't have to worry. We lost this game, but there's no injuries. That that means probably they weren't taking the contact yeah. and they were avoiding the tackles. So you are part of the team. You are part of not just managing injuries, but the performance of the team. And therefore, you will be passionate as the coaches are passionate, as everyone there is passionate. And I'm lucky that I'm, I just feel that you can have an impact, irrespective. I'm just the physio, but I feel I can have an impact and that's 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 special, and that's what makes it very special. And I think that's what makes it special for South Africans because you sitting at home, you're also part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You are definitely part. You you're one of the chains in that entire team in in everything that needs to happen there. Doubts. I'm sure when you were younger, you had to deal with it. As one grows older, we seem to think that you know when you know how what you do and how to do it, people seem to think those doubts disappear. Do you still have them? Are they slightly less frequent? And when they come, how do you deal with them? No, doubts, I think, is part of it. And I think anyone in this environment would say that, you know, sport, so many variables that determine whether you're successful, as we've just seen now with the cricket. You know, it could just be the rain. (laughs) Not always things that we can control. And you try to make sure that you have looked at all the controllables and that you've prepared well. But I've learned to be easier on myself and and even colleagues that, you know, we can make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes because you'll you'll learn from it. And that's, you know, I think with leadership, you know, the authenticity, like if a a coach comes and says, gosh, I think I made a mistake in this past game. That's that's huge. That's massive. So for me, I I'd like to think that I've grown in saying that, yes. I have made mistakes along the way. I I think it's important if you want to stay on top in your performance cycle that you always review how you do things. Because I've been there that long, since 2008, that you can start thinking you've got the secret formula and this is the only way. I always say thousand ways to do the same thing, to skin a cat, thousand ways to skin a cat and I may not have the only and the best way. Yeah. So there's always room for growth, improvement, and you have to be innovative. You have to try things that haven't been tried before, and you have to be prepared to take risks. And with risks, things can work or they may not work. So yes, there are always doubts, but you have to you have to always reflect on 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 your performance and be honest with yourself. Absolutely beautifully said. You also ended up doing something that I think a lot of women fear. When it comes to, you know, you, you're at the top of your game in any sphere, regardless of whatever it is in your, in your workplace, at the top of your game, and then you decide to now have a family or you decide to focus more on family, right? And you stepped away for a while to focus on family. But you still made a great comeback. And I think that in itself is such, such an inspiration and makes women go that it is possible to have it all Sometimes just not all at the same time. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think that, and yes, it. You know, you always, you know, have to make hard decisions as a woman, as a mother. You know, just because I made it work doesn't mean that there's not lots of guilt at times. 
about, you know, not being able to meet all the requirements, you know, and not get the cupcakes ready for a particular event the next day or... Yes, so it, it is a challenge and I think that all women that are working and that are mothers have to make hard decisions. I think I was really blessed that I was allowed to stay in my position after my son was born. I was was allowed to actually bring him on tour with my nanny. And he was, I think the first international trip we did, he was eight weeks old. So I was sure. still breastfeeding. If I think back now, I think, gosh. <laughs> yes, and so we did that until he was two. And then I thought he needs to now start doing a little bit of preschool. And I decided in, that was after the 2015 World Cup, I decided I'll take a break. And, and focus on being a mom and, yes, being able to do the drop-offs and the pickups and And, yes, and that was a special time, but I did miss rugby. I can only imagine. Did you have any fears at that time of what would happen when I decide to now go back into it? Will yes. I be able to? Yes, definitely. I think that for me the most exciting part was that I was joining up with Rassi and with Jacques, who I'd worked with for, you know, 12, 15 years. I'd known them. I'd worked with them. I understood their philosophy and I understood the game plan. And obviously, if if, if Rassi says, are you coming with us? You want to win the World Cup? You, yes, I'm, I want to be part of this. And yes, so there was a lot of excitement, I think, coming back. And obviously aware that, you know, things change all the time. And, you know, a culture within a team is made up of the people there and the environment. And as people change, the environment changes and you are scared. But that soon dissipates when you you know you're in the right place. Absolutely. I agree with you. When you're now looking at it, mom, you are, you know, doing everything else. You are someone that is in the public eye, etc. I know the question that they often ask, but I find they only ask it of women, which is why I don't like asking this question. The question is always, how do you juggle it all? And I came across something very interesting the other day where someone in an interview actually said, who says we needed to juggle it? Why is it only my baby to juggle when actually we should all be helping each other? And what she was referring to was not just her partner. She was saying in the grand scheme of things, why is it only my problem to sort out? What are your thoughts on that? 100%. I find it sometimes offensive because I, I feel that I don't think a single coach has been asked that. Yes, exactly. How do you manage being a dad and being the coach or the head coach? Or the director of rugby. So, yes, I think I'm not going to deny that as a single mom, it is hard. It's not easy, but it takes a whole community to raise a kid. And sometimes the help comes in so many different forms. I've been very blessed with my parents playing a very, very big role in my son's life. And then my partner, he has been phenomenal in assisting me and helping. And then, of course, friends and family and sometimes unexpected moms at the school would offer. No, no, no. I know you've got so much. I will assist. So, yes, it takes a lot of people. And and that's always a positive thing. And I, and I like to see it as positive that I'm empowering my son to understand that, you know, we women can contribute to the economy, that we are part of a system. And that it's not all, you know, negative. Absolutely. I fully agree with you. 
when it comes to other young women, you've said you've spoken to so many young people and they often just want to follow you and follow you and your journey and want to find out more about that. What would your advice be to them if you had to speak maybe three fast tips if you were to look at them right now and go, these are the things I'd suggest. I know you touched on it very quickly earlier on when you did say you'd find your niche, but you need to start at the bottom, which I definitely think is one of those practical tips, right? Yes, the practical tips. Definitely get that practical experience wherever you can. There are so many rugby clubs that need volunteers, that would love volunteers to come and assist in whatever way. And so make yourself available if you're really committed to your dream. And then always think of your mentors. Have mentors. You always have to have mentors and people that believe in you, whether it's from your family or whether it's in your career path or whether it's from your school or, you know, religious activities or community. Find someone that believes in you. It makes a big difference. And I think if I have to talk to the 10-year-old Rene or the 16-year-old Rene, I would say, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything will work out and you will make mistakes, but it's okay to make mistakes. If I think back, I was always that big fear. You don't want to make a single mistake, but it is actually okay. Oh, so wonderfully said. Rena Naila, you have been incredible. Thank you so much for being my woman crush for today. Fantastic. And I know everyone's going to love this chat. And please note that there is a whole host of people. You know this. I'm sure you see this on social media and everywhere else. People support the box. But so many of us are looking to you as a woman and going, oh, my gosh, she's doing it for us. And she's doing it so well, opening so many doors just by doing what she's doing really, really well. And I can only say thank you for that. Thank you very, very much, Renee. Thank you so much, my female crush. (laughs) Tracy, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, thank you to all the listeners. It's really special for me to share my story.